Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Chicago Techies podcast, a podcast focused on highlighting the voices of Chicago Techies and their experiences. I'm your host, Ceci Fisher Benitez. Thank you for joining us. On today's episode, I am joined by Safa Shamim, Senior Analyst Implementations at Amount. Hi, Safa. Thank you so much for joining me uh, for this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you about your career trajectory and your experience in the tech community. I know that we have a lot in common, and I definitely see a lot of the work that you're doing aside from your work uh, to support your community. So why don't we get started uh, with your name, your pronouns, where you're from, and your current role? Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Cece. Excited to be on. Yeah, my name is Safa Shamim. My pronouns are she and her. Um, I am currently from the suburbs, northwest suburbs of um, Chicago, Schaumburg, and I actually was born in Saudi Arabia. My family immigrated to the United States in the late 90s. So um, yeah, excited to kind of be able to have the American dream, get an education, and really figure out um, what I always wanted to do in tech. Amazing. And like I said, definitely a lot in common. I mean, my parents migrated to the U.S. in like the 90s as well. And I, you know, likewise myself. Um, so definitely love that immigrant part of, you know, being here and, and, and looking for the American dream. Um, but anyway, thank you for sharing that. I, I definitely did some stalking and I saw that you are a graduate of UIC. Um, you major in information decision science, which I want to say sounds like a fancy word for data science. <laughs> um, so did you know right away that that's what you wanted to study or did you determine that later on what your major would be? Yeah, I think I fall in the second camp. I actually started off at UIC as a computer science major and um, really was kind of just infatuated with the idea of being in tech. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do and I thought software engineering was the only way I could really make an impact um, in tech. I kind of took a few classes and actually one of my best friends, we were sitting together in, in this lecture hall and, and I looked over to her and I said, I'm not sure if I want to do this going forward. And I really wanted to find another area of interest that I could apply my skills to. Um, so I was kind of in this just conundrum of like what I wanted to do and wasn't even sure if I wanted to pursue tech anymore because it was hard. I felt like I didn't have mentors. Um, oftentimes it was really difficult to navigate the work workload balance with multiple math classes, computer classes, programming classes. So I actually stumbled upon a humanities class and we were researching segregation in the city of Chicago. And I came upon this infographic. It was really well done. And it showed this amazing data, uh, data analysis of how the cities are kind of broken up by segregation and socioeconomic kind of stats. And I was like, wow, this is such a cool infographic. Like I wanna make something like this. So I think my passion really started kind of right here at home, just analyzing like these issues that are happening in our city. And I was so, you know, curious and empowered to see how people were using data to make an impact, to tell a story. And that's really what led me to my career in information and decision sciences, which is really just a fancy word of like information technology and management information systems, but they're all essentially doing very similar things. It's a concentration of data analysis and business strategy and also some engineering skills. So really kind of went in with the mindset of wanting to kind of produce a story using data. Um, and I think that really shattered my narrative of tech because I always thought that 
you need to be a software engineer to kind of make it in the tech world. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize there's a lot of things you can do. And it's just a matter of finding out what drives your passion. So if you're someone who cares about social issues, you can use tech to kind of solve those issues. You can use tech to really empower decisions within your community. For sure. And that sounds, I mean, that's also an incredible story about how one little infographic kind of like influenced to make that decision. Um, I'm just a little curious on why tech, like, you know, it, it what sparked that curiosity specifically about tech? Because you technically could have gone in any direction, but you, you were kind of set on the idea of wanting to kind of explore tech. What was appealing about it? Yeah, I think my reasoning for going into tech was I'm someone who very much wants to problem solve. And I know there's a lot of different avenues you can do that in, but tech is really changing the way we think about problems and it's affecting everyone's life um, in a lot of different ways. So I think what drew me to it was just the possibility of making a really big impact, knowing that I could go into any type of field um, and I can use tech to really drive change, whether that's producing a compelling story and narrative on a data analysis I produce for a company or, um, you know, a social cause. So I think for me, what really drew me to it was just the aspect of how change impacting it is. Um, and I think there's a lot of fields you can do that in, but the thing that makes tech unique is you're really, you know, challenging yourself to learn a lot of different skills. Um, and you're able to use those skills to empower other people to learn as well. So I saw it as a way of like, once I learn these skills, I can also use these tools in my toolkit to share with someone else. Um, and that kind of led to other initiatives that I'm working on today we can discuss. But really, it was just kind of the idea of making a huge change in this industry. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like that's definitely a well thought out process for you. Mine was just tech is cool. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I, I appreciate that about you and, and your willingness to kind of problem solve. That's great. Um, how did you navigate like your going toward your first job out of college? Like, did you go the traditional route of, uh, route of applying to internships or what was that process like? Can you walk me through that? Yeah, absolutely. Also, Full disclosure, like I'm very much an introvert. So the idea of networking really terrified me in college. I would see people, you know, suited up and like ready to go to these networking events. And I thought to myself, man, like, I don't know how I can do that. I'm, you know, I'm more quiet, I'm shy, but I really had to kind of not change myself, but kind of step out of my comfort zone. And I think what I did was just literally make a running sheet of like all the places I applied to. I would cold call email people, um, just find different ways I could talk to people outside of kind of the university campus. So I think the process was pretty traditional and it was hard at first because I think a lot of young people feel they have a lot to prove. They don't have any credibility yet. How will an, how will an employer choose me over someone who has a lot of experience? So I think there's that fear and a little bit of imposter syndrome, but the thing that really got me through was understanding a lot of this is just a numbers game too. You know, there are things that I applied to that I thought I would never do this, but it's worth a shot. And I think having a growth mindset. So even if you're someone in tech or, you know, business marketing, whatever it is, kind of applying to everything and seeing what the opportunities are, are really important. Um, so I think I applied to over a hundred places for an internship, only heard back from three was rejected by one of them and had an offer from, from two of them. And that really was kind of a sign that, okay, there is opportunity out there. It's hard, but you can do it. Um, and I think a lot of the help I got along the way was from 
you know, very strong, like female leaders in my community who kind of mentored me to get there. That's a great, great segue into this next question, because earlier you did mention that it was a little difficult to find um, mentorship. And I mean, that I feel like that's really a thing for all students, for everybody. And even as you kind of go into your, your role, right, like your first role or even now, we're always constantly looking for mentorship. And I feel like um, it's it's just a hot topic at all times. It doesn't change um, because of the impact that it has in our careers. So I'm, I'm curious about how you basically go about finding your mentors and how do you approach them, I guess? Yeah, that's a great question because I think a lot of people, you know, get discouraged if they don't have a mentor, but it really can be a game changer in your career and just getting your foot in the door. How I approached it when I was in my internship, I used to work at a health tech startup as a data analyst and there weren't that many uh, there, there were quite a few women on the engineering team, but not as many. And I really would just tell them about my experience, like better optimize my time. And it really became more of a casual talk. And it opened up a lot of doors because I could be myself and more vulnerable in these spaces. And I think it's hard. Um, you have to have this persona at work, but it's really important to find people at work you can talk to about you know, challenges in the workplace or things that are difficult for you, whether it's you know a project and more often than not, people are super happy to talk to you because they've been through so many experiences. One advice I do have is find different mentors. You know, if you're someone in tech, it's important that you do have a tech mentor, but find someone in a different area of expertise. Find someone who can offer you a different way of thinking about a problem. I think the more people you talk to that come from different backgrounds that don't look like you, um, that do look like you, it, it all is a culmination of kind of everyone's experiences. And I think that will just mold you into a better, you know, person in your career. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with all of that. And I think that's actually one of the areas that I need to work on on my own is finding those people that are not in, in our field, right? Like there's that there's a lot of value in folks that are working in different areas of expertise that uh, can provide us with a whole different lens. So definitely agree uh, with all of that. I wanted to explore a little bit more like your your role and, um, you know, like I know that you you explained why data science, you know, kind of was your thing and, and why it influenced you. But I'm, I'm curious to learn about um, more about it in general, like as in your role, because I believe that you do implementation. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit more about your role and kind of like the day to day aspects of it? And how, how does it how, do you like it? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I think previously before I joined Amount, a lot of my work was in data analytics and kind of producing these really robust visualiz visualizations for our product leaders. Um, prior to that, that's kind of what my experience has been. And then after departing that health tech company, I came to Avant slash Amount and really focused on kind of driving client relationships at the bank and uh, making sure there was proper internal reporting. So currently now I, I join implementations and I'm focusing on how we can get um, clients to use our technology and suggest best requirements for a solution. So banks will often come to us and say, hey, we really want to use your product and we will make sure that our product is integrated properly in their system. So a lot of the times this includes you know, project management. So doing requirement gathering, you know, what are the things that the partner needs, what can we offer? Um, can we customize a feature? Can we, you know, configure a feature and understanding what those rail guards are? Um, implementation work is pretty 
project management heavy, but ultimately, you know, high level, what you're doing is making sure that our clients, which are banks, can integrate into our technology. And I think the biggest challenge there is, you know, how do we figure out for these banks that their old legacy systems, which have been in place for decades, how can we move them into a much more like digitized and, you know, you know, streamlined process. So, you know, it's, it's like imagining trying to remove a brick from the foundation of a house without disturbing the entire structure, which the brick is supporting. And that's the challenges that banks are facing when they're trying to replace their legacy systems with a fintech solution. So it's, it's exciting. And I think the best part about amount is there's never a shortage of work. It's extremely challenging being in the fintech industry and you get to wear a lot of hats. So, you know, it's, it's only been a year and six months for me. I've already switched teams, you know, at the year mark, and I'm just excited about growing um, at, at the company. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I used to work at, uh, at Innova, so I'm very familiar with legacy systems and like a legacy code and all of that and trying to kind of implement the new things and, and how everything breaks after you do that. <laughs> yeah, at Innova, um, a lot of people at a mountain event actually worked at Innova. I think some of the leadership transfer yeah. there. So they're definitely like all sister companies. For sure. I actually, I feel like I don't know if this is right. It might not be, but I thought that actually someone that someone that used to work at Innova, and I think it was called something else before, like founded uh, Yvonne. So I, I don't know if that's true, but I think I've heard that. Yeah, um, that's right. So our CEO, Al Goldstein, he was our CEO at the time. He's our chairman now, but Al Goldstein actually founded Innova. And then after Innova, he did Avant, and then consequently from Avant spun off Amount. Oh, nice. <laughs> See, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, rebirth, I guess, right, for different companies. Um, I, I wanted to switch gears a little bit to um, to just like professional development, you know, and, and what do you do to kind of like, I don't want to say stay relevant because you are relevant, but like how to like upskill and like, you know, how to how to continue learning, your continuous learning. Like how do you go about finding resources for that? Absolutely. I think that's something I always have to remind myself because I think it's really easy for people to get comfortable in their role. And, you know, it's nice, right? But I think if you're comfortable for too long, you're not really outside of your comfort zone. So what I like to do professionally is just find out how I can learn, you know, programming languages more, whether that's through online resources. And it was very daunting at first, but I think the more you can become a self-learner, the better off you'll be. And, you know, just advice for people who don't have a technical background or they're not in tech, you can definitely do it. There's so many amazing people who have very unconventional paths to tech. You know, some of the most incredible people I've met at Amount and the past tech startup I was at before, they didn't study computer science. They weren't engineers. You know, they had very interesting backgrounds, but the thing that made everyone successful, and I think the thing that's really driving my growth too at the moment is figuring out how I can learn on my own independently. And if that means using a online resource like Udemy or, you know, Coursera, there's tons of free courses out there. And the great thing about those courses is you can go at your own speed and find the best time that works to kind of tackle those courses. The other thing for professional development is kind of what we touched on earlier, which is mentorship. Find people you can learn from. And I think this is downplayed a lot, but technical skills are great. But what makes leaders even more great is the fact that they have those soft skills. So knowing how to work a room and talk to stakeholders and people who are in senior leadership, how do you present to them? And 
it's very nerve wracking, especially as, you know, a senior analyst, you have to prove your credibility, especially, you know, if you're not high up in a role, but oftentimes those people are making a lot of impact in the organization. So I would say for just professional development uh, at a high level, it's really just finding resources online, Coursera, Udemy, um, Harvard Business uh, has a bunch of online courses as well that you can take for free. And the second is, I think, just really finding people you look and aspire to in your career, in your industry, um, you know, and just connect with them and ask how, how you can grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always mention LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn being one of the one of those resources where you can find people that are doing the job that you want. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to just like send a request and send a note. Um, I, I definitely agree with all of that. And you kind of already answered my next question about, you know, what advice you would share with folks looking to get in the industry. So if you want to add, add anything else, <laughs> feel free. Yeah, no, totally. I think one thing I'd want to say is, the thing I've learned so far, and I can't stress this enough, is, you know, you only get what you want by working towards it, and it's never too late to take your first step. And this is for anyone, you know, you don't know what's out there yet, but it's worth taking a chance to explore everything that is out there. And it's totally okay to fail until you find the right thing you want. You will only get closer to your goal if you kind of make those mistakes along the way, as long as you learn from it. Um, and yeah, I think that's the best way to approach it, especially tech. There is a huge learning curve and there always will be tons of things to learn and never a shortage of work to do. But I think take it a day at a time, you know, focus on one small tangible goal and put a deadline to it and try to accomplish it. Definitely would agree with all of that. I, I think the hardest step is to just take take it right? Like the first step is the, is, is the hardest thing to do. But once you do it, then you're kind of like, you're in it and you kind of have to learn how to, how to manage, how to like, how to swim because <laughs> you're in the water now. So, and it's, it's, I feel like there's so many people out there that are so open to helping people that, you know, even if you, um, if you're scared of like not knowing anyone in tech, you know, I, I know right now we can't go to any networking events and a lot of, for a lot of, like you mentioned, a lot of introverts, it's really difficult to do that, but like, it doesn't hurt to just like send a blind email, like, or send like a note on LinkedIn. I think I've, I usually, you know, uh, accept all of the requests because I was there at one point. And, you know, so if somebody has a question or somebody just wants to chat for like 10, 15 minutes, I'm, I'm going to donate my time for that. Like I will, you know, I think we were all at square one at one point. And I think it's important for us to be able to kind of give back to our, to our communities in, in that sense. Um, so definitely if anyone's interested, like, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and volunteer you. <laughs> like you know, if anyone wants to connect, you know, like to, and, and learn more about this industry and like in your role, like I think, you know, they should feel empowered to, to reach out and, um, and just take that one step. Um, so real quickly, uh, I'm, very curious about those res being a resource, right? And, and like in finding those resources, like do you have like a go-to resource, whether it's a book or a blog or a podcast that has kind of influenced your career and has kind of helped you um, navigate, you know, the industry? You know, it's interesting. I actually, I don't try to read a lot of books within my industry just because I feel like I'm so immersed in it. So I spent a lot of time reading about history and, you know, social causes and issues. But I do think something that helped me was reading a lot of articles in the industry I'm in and a lot of, you know, scholarly research, if that's just about, you know, in the fintech industry, like what are groundbreaking trends that are happening 
what are the industry experts saying? So I think, you know, for books, I'd say it's a pretty wide variety of things I like to read, but specifically to my development and resources, I tell people, you know, there's so much information on the internet. You can get a lot from reading, you know, articles on Harvard Business Review, NPR, um, Y Combinator, which is a startup school in the Bay Area. They have a lot of great resources for people who want to know how do you, you know, how do you become a founder? How do you create a startup. Um, I think that's something that's kind of close to me personally, because I'm in the startup ecosystem. So I really like learning about things uh, that affect startups. And I'd say there's a lot of resources online. So definitely check out, you know, articles um, from like Y Combinator. There's a lot of startup, uh, I guess, influencers, I'd say that I, I really look up to. Paul Graham, he's the co-founder, um, one of the co-founders of Y Combinator. Um, Jessica Livingston. There's a lot of incredible people from there. I was writing their names down to make sure that I put it on the under the resources page. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's great. I I do like reading a lot of articles too. Um, I you know I don't know I don't know if how many people know. I think most people know though. But I, in the next you know five or so years, I want to transition into a DEI role um, and kind of help you know build that whole ERG system or at least you know finding a way that, you know, to, for companies to become more inclusive. So I've been reading, doing a lot of reading on DEI practices and, um, and following some local people here like Michelle Bass, you know, and um, yeah, it's been, it's been really rewarding to, to read other people's work. Um, I think it, you, there's definitely a lot of value um, that for you, for, for yourself and also for companies. So I, the white community sounds like a great one. And I, I believe that we code for America has used that actually, because they also, they oftentimes uh, write about civic tech too, and they're in volunteering and like engaging with people. So I think it's, it's like a, a good resource for a lot of different things. And also, so you're, you're very much involved also in your community. You know, I, I was, I noticed that you are one of the co-founders of Muslim Women in Tech, along with Zara um, Atter, right? Yes. And let me just read really quickly, like the mission, I guess, like your, of, of um, uh, Muslim Women in Tech, because I think it's great. And I feel like we could, we could probably do a better job at the, the Latinas in Tech one, but yours is, uh, to create a network for current and future female leaders across all industries by developing connections, learning together, and sharing opportunities for career advancement. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. And um, I was I, I was uh, hoping you could walk me through or walk us through like that experience of of creating that organization and and kind of like the impact that it has had in your career. Yeah, that's a great question. I think honestly, you know, it's great you mentioned Latinas in tech, Latinos who code because those are kind of model groups we actually wanted to emulate ourselves after. And I think um, a lot of these groups have paved the way for us. So it was really just understanding how can we build this for our own community? And it literally happened after I graduated the University of Illinois at Chicago. Um, I had just finished you know, a new job and was adjusting to it. Sara Author, my co-founder and I sat together in a coffee shop and we were thinking to ourselves, there's so many incredible women in tech specifically minorities in tech as well. How can we create a space that connects everyone to each other? And not even just that, how can we make sure that they have the same chance as another person getting a job? And I think that's what really fueled the passion. And I was very overwhelmed at first because I thought, you know, I'm so young, I don't know if I can do this by, on my own. And there was a bit of, you know, fear and kind of starting something new and from scratch, but 
I think the best piece of advice from that was just start something, even if it's not the prettiest, even if, you know, it's just getting people together in a room and talking. And that's exactly what we did. Our first event was at this great coffee shop in Wicker Park called Brew. The owners kindly allowed us to host, kindly allowed us to host an event there. And you wouldn't believe it, Cece, but there were 50, over 50 people who came into this coffee basement and it was amazing. There were men, there were women of color, there were Muslim women. It was just this outpour of support. And I thought to myself, wait, I think we're onto something here. And I think the goal of Muslim women in tech is, yes, we want to help support Muslim women who don't really have a voice, uh, have a voice, you know, being heard in tech spaces often, but making sure that we're working with other minority groups too. And it's really kind of an intersectional group. Um, So while we do champion you know, Muslim women to have their voices heard, we also want to champion these other groups as well. So, you know, I think it's it's really awesome that you mentioned Latinas in tech because a lot of those groups were the blueprint for us. And it was really inspiring to see how successful they were. And um, I think at the end of the day, like everyone wants kind of the same thing. They just want to be connected and have their voice heard. And oftentimes those people are invisible in workspaces. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would have to agree about, um, you know, all of us, all minorities really are, should be in it together, right? Like we all were looking for the same thing, uh, experience, you know, everything. So I actually love, I would love to uh, partner um, with with Muslim Women in Tech and maybe even do something like this coming up. Um, we're actually working right now or, or having conversations with General Assembly about hosting a um, Women in Tech event for Women's History Month and not just partnering with them when it's Hispanic Heritage Month, you know, like it's, um, so it's it's something that I usually like to call out, but um, but yeah, I would love to have you all on board for that too and uh, and see what we can make. I think it's, it's great that um, there are so many groups kind of coming, you know, coming aboard and like, and helping and like giving a hand in their own communities and and I think um, this this experience for for you has is likely the same thing for me. Uh, I think it it also opens a lot of doors. Um, a lot of people are interested in the work that you do, and uh, and they really want to see it see it uh, be success, successful. Um, so yeah, I was I was I'm really excited to like finally hear more about this and the work that you guys have been doing. Do you all meet monthly, or is it just quarterly, or what's like the rhythm of your calendar, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so the cadence for our events, we try to do on average two events per month. And the exciting thing is we're really trying to challenge their narrative of tech. We include uh, women who are product managers at top tier tech companies, consulting companies, we'll do data scientists. We had a past event, which is really exciting. We partnered with Muslim urban professionals. Uh, they're a group called Muppies, and we had this event with tech founders. So it was people who started their own companies and um, they talked about the challenges of funding and how to get access to funding as, as minorities. So our events are really just a reflection of our community and the diversity. We try to host events in you know, data science, product management, software engineering, um, really just trying to kind of push that narrative. And I think the most exciting thing about our events is it's become so frequent now. We have kind of a calendar on our website where you guys can sign up for events. We have um, a pretty active Instagram page and Twitter where we're kind of posting content to make sure people feel, you know, like they're part of a community. We also have a Slack channel. So that's open to anyone. So we'd love to partner with Code for America, Latinas in Tech and see how we can collaborate. Absolutely. 
Yeah, Code for America, I feel like it's easier to collaborate um, with likely the brigades, mm-hmm. um, like Code for Chicago, like we'd be happy to partner and, you know, put together an event or maybe like build something because that's, you know, really what we what we do. We partner with different organizations to to make uh, either new applications or things work better. Uh, so I think it would be really cool to do something like that for sure. I, you know, I imagine that, you know, being, being Muslim too, like for, especially within this group, there's, there's some challenges that everybody goes through. And uh, I mean, it's, it is definitely for Latinas in tech. Like we oftentimes talk about how challenging work can be or workspaces, because, you know, obviously it's very male dominated and, and obviously we're all minorities. So I'm kind of curious to learn about some of the challenges that you've encountered and not necessarily for being like a Muslim woman in tech, but just in general, um, whichever you like to like to share. Absolutely. And I think this is really timely just given the current climate that has been kind of accumulating in this country. But, you know, particularly as a minority and and being Muslim, you know, one of the things I have at work has been really supportive as a manager who understands, you know, what, what bothers me or like things that affect my work-life quality. And I think having ERG groups is really important. And, the challenges I face is just making sure I have a group, whether it's at work, outside of my home, someone I could talk to about things I'm frustrated with or that I need guidance with. And oftentimes I think some of the challenges minorities face is just not having their voices heard. And how do we have access to, you know, the same level of promotion as, you know, our Caucasian counterparts? And you know, it's just making sure everyone has that evil, even level, even level playing field. And I think how we can get there is just having more ERG groups. And I think at work, it's been really helpful for me is just talking to people who also have similar struggles and making sure that, you know, their voices are heard. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. I feel like ERGs are um, often like a really great resource for anyone that just joined a company or anyone that is like looking to improve like their quality of work, I guess, experience, right? Um, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about your your experience there as a, overall as a culture. Um, what's How is Amount now? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Amount is really great in terms of supporting minorities, inclusion efforts, and just obtaining more diversity at the company. Um, yeah, I worked pretty closely with our some of our ERGs to host a Muslim Women in Tech actually at Avant last December. And they were so supportive. So you see, they were, they were just amazed that there was this group out there. And they said, wow, we would love to host Muslim Women in Tech and kind of support minorities in any way we can. So my experience has been really good. I think just from an inclusion perspective, I've always felt like I've had a seat at the table, whether it's talking about you know, issues in the workplace or how we can make a more inclusive environment, especially now that things are remote. I think it's hard to kind of manage that. And it's been really a great experience. The past one and one and six months has one year and six months has just been incredible with amount because they really want you to grow and they're invested in you. So by nature, if they're invested in you, they want you to feel like you're at home. Yeah, I, I imagine that because so I actually have heard um, 
I've been invited to speak there uh, as for a uh, an LGBTQ panel uh, a few months ago, but then COVID happened and they had to they had to postpone it. But I was really excited to to be considered for that, and obviously they also have offered to host Latinas in Tech for events there. So I'm really excited to go back there when we're finally able to meet people and like see people in person. <laughs> I think that'll be great. I wanted to ask a little bit about you and your goals. You know, like what's what's next for Safa? What are you what are your goals for the future? Yeah, I know. I'm someone who just lives in the present. So whenever someone asks me this question, I have to really think about who do I want to be in five years? What do I want to do? But it is something I've been thinking about. And I think the thing that drives me is just my passion for being in the startup ecosystem. It's a great place. I think for anyone who wants to be in tech, join a startup. You will get so much value, whether you have experience in tech or not. Um, It's a great place to just start from the ground up. Um, So I think I'd, I'd love to you know, maybe it is going to Y Combinator startup school or, you know, starting my own company someday. But I think I'm very much intrigued at the idea of hoping to start, you know, my own startup someday with ideas that I have. Um, and I think that's a piece of advice too, is if you have an idea and you think someone hasn't probably thought of it yet, you might be wrong. And I'd say really just make sure you take note of your ideas because they're all really valuable and important in today's, in today's society. Um, Other than that, I definitely have kind of a desire to go to business school. I'd love to get my MBA um, because I think we need more women in leadership. And, you know, an MBA is one way to get there. So I'd love to, you know, kind of think about that in the future and see how I can use a business degree to kind of elevate myself and other women in leadership positions. For sure. We definitely need more women founders. So it's, it sounds great. You heard her here first. Safa is going to create her own startup eventually. <laughs> uh, that's, that's so cool. I would definitely love to uh, follow that journey and learn more about what you decide to do in the future. That sounds great. Um, now, I mean, I finally, I, I think I want to give an opportunity for people to connect with you. So it, it, what's the best place to connect with you? Is it LinkedIn, Twitter, any Instagram? Do you have all of those? Yeah, no, I'm honestly, Cece, you know how I connected with you. I just started following you because I thought you were so cool. But honestly, I'm very much approachable. Please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, Cece, you have my Twitter, but um, my Twitter is also accessible. It's public. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram as well. I'm happy to share those handles too. It's uh, Safa underscore Shamim um, for, for most of my accounts, but happy to share that. Yeah, and, and I'll make sure to link everything on the show notes. But this is great. Thank you so much, Zafa, for coming to the show. I, I really appreciate it. I really, I'm really thankful that you you decided to follow me because I, I you know, otherwise I wouldn't have known that you know that you had this organization. I eventually probably would have would have got there. But I, I really love the power of social media and how we can connect us even when we don't know each other yet. This is actually the first time we were meeting, like you know, before we we've, we've been following each other for a while, but we never actually had a conversation. So this is great. <laughs> Absolutely. No, this was such a pleasure. And I just want to say thank you so much for empowering voices, especially those of minorities, which often don't get heard. And it's incredible to see the work that you're doing. And I'm honestly very inspired about you myself. And I'm, I'm really glad we could connect. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at Chicago Techies on all social media channels. 
Thank you again, and we'll see you in two weeks.